Jones and a rope into deep center. Can you believe it? Here's your hosts, Zach Dillard and Corey McCartney. On the final day of the 2019 regular season, the Atlanta Braves found out who their NLDS opponent will be. That will be the National League Central Champions, the St. Louis Cardinals, a 91-win team, really flourished in the second half behind Jack Flaherty, their ace pitcher in a lineup featuring Paul DeYoung, Colton Wong, Paul Goldschmidt, Marcelo Zuna, and of course the stalwart and Yadier Molina. Welcome into another edition of the Chopcast. Sitting here with Corey McCartney, I am Zach Dillard. And Corey, the Braves kind of limped down the stretch, but of course there was nothing really to play for. Uh, they knew they were getting the NL Central champion. It was just a matter of if they were facing the Cardinals or the Brewers. They get swept in the final series of 2019, losing to the Mets. But as we look ahead to what has been on everyone's mind for the last few weeks, ever since the NL East has basically been wrapped up, how do you think they match up against the Cardinals? Well, the Braves are 4-2 and two against them this season, but they didn't see them since May. And yeah. you think about... When the Braves were actually facing that Cardinals team, they hadn't found their groove at all. I mean, they were four, four and a half games out of the NL Central lead at that point. Um, the Flaherty certainly wasn't nearly this dominant uh, when they faced them. So, and the Braves obviously didn't have Dallas Keiko back then. Uh, you know, they only threw three righties, the same three righties in both of those series in Tehran, uh, Fulton Evich, and Soroka. So, I, I think when you look at where this team is really good, and and the starting pitching with with Soroka and Fulton Evich, a couple of really good righties. This Cardinals team does not hit righties well. They're much better against lefties, so I think that plays to the Braves' favor. And you know, certainly from an offensive standpoint, I mean, the, the Cardinals caught fire late, and we waited to see Paul Goldschmidt earn his keep in a Cardinals uniform. Um, he's certainly clicking at the right time. I think this is going to be really good. I mean, it feels like. There's always that one team that gets into the postseason where you know you that's the team you really don't want to face. The Brewers, you could say it was them, but they don't have the pitching. The Cardinals have the pitching. So I think this this sets itself up to potentially be the best matchup in the first round. I think it, this com, this one should be really good. Anybody looking for a scouting report on the Cardinals, it's all righties basically. It's an all-righty rotation yep. that we are expecting. Yeah, uh, Their lineup is heavily uh, heavily featuring right-handers and Goldschmidt, uh, Marcelo Zuna, Paul DeYoung, uh, Yadier Molina. They have switch hitters, of course, Dexter Fowler. Uh, but the lefties, really, the only true lefties that are probably going to make this lineup uh, on any anything close to a regular basis will be Matt Carpenter, who has had a down year after uh, just a dynamic 2018 season, and Colton Wong, who has been very good. Uh, I don't think that Wong played down the stretch at all, uh, kind of in a similar way that they were saving Ronald Acuna Jr. here in Atlanta. I think they did rest Wong down the stretch, but um, very righty-heavy team. So keep that in mind in terms of, as we start to go through a little bit of the NLDS roster that the Braves have to create, both on the pitching and the hitting side, uh, you're really trying to neutralize right-handers. And, uh, it, it, of course, for Atlanta they have some clear playoff locks. And there's really some guys on here that we don't have to spend too much time talking about. But on the pitching side, we certainly expect Dallas Keuchel, Mike Fultonevich, Mike Soroka, and uh, and Max Fried to be making this roster for the starters. Uh, Mark Melanson, Shane Green, Chris Martin, the three guys they got at the trade deadline. 
Um, Sean Newcomb, we expect uh, to be on this roster as a as a fair, pretty much a lock or for them in terms of what he's been able to do uh, from the left side. They have a few position players that are going to be up in the air we are going to get into, but of course, if he is healthy, and we certainly expect him to be, Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, being at the top of the lineup, Ozzie Albies, Freddie Freeman, Josh Donaldson, Nick Markakis, Matt Joyce, Brian McCann, Dansby Swanson, uh, going to the to the other side for the bench, you have Tyler Flowers, uh, Adani Echeverria, um, and we can kind of get into some other bench pieces as well as you know Tyler Flowers, Francisco Cervelli. Um, let's start at least with the locks. Biggest storyline for me is how healthy will Ronald Acuna Jr. and Freddie Freeman be in this series? Uh, what are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big one. And I wonder, you know, too, is does Mike fulton look as good as he had down the stretch? Because I think if he does, then that allows you to use Max Freed as we saw you know, over the weekend, you know, obviously that was on the back end of a, of a full team mishap, but uh, to be able to be a big weapon for you out of the bullpen, if you're not going to use four starters in this series, if you're only going to go three, then that allows you the opportunity to use Freed as a, as a big weapon for you out of the pen, because Julio Tehran doesn't feel like he's going to be there. At least, I mean, I think it's tenuous. It's a big and, question mark. And if he's not, then you know, you've got the ability to have just a, a big weapon. You've got you know Josh Tomlin you can use as that long relief guy. We've seen him fill that role so much of this season. Um, but to me, that's a really big question mark is what version of Fulte is going to be there in the postseason because we saw him go on a really nice run uh, for a large part uh, you know, since his return from the minors. Building off of that, it seems like the consensus is shaping up to be Fulte-Keichel game one and two in some order. And Soroka getting the first road start in game three. And he's been really good. How, on the how do you road, feel about that? Soroka's been better on the road. He's I mean, been one of the best road starters. It's we've a 1 4 2 ERA. It went on up the road. yesterday against the Mets, but essentially one of the five to 10 best road ERAs. Yeah, since they raised the mound and roll with him on the on the the road. Then you know I think that just makes it. You know you get you get Keuchel and you get you know Fulton Evich who ideally are, are ground ball guys for you. You get them at SunTrust Park. You know. I think that to me makes the most sense. You can look at it from a few ways. Certainly, the road numbers. Mike Fulton is not, or Mike Soroka has not had a problem on the road, and I certainly see the pros there in terms of that is where he has succeeded this year. Um, and he doesn't feel like he has to be the tone setter for a series. I would throw out there that St. Louis is going to be, you know, as always in the playoffs, it is going to be a raucous environment, and you're throwing a 22 year old. Uh, out into that for the first playoff experience of his life. Just keep that in mind. I think we think of Soroka in a very different sense, um, but it, it, young guys are not just infallible once, you know, just because they put up great numbers. Think of what happened to Walker Bueller, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Think of what happened to him last year in Atlanta. I mean, so we, we certainly, I think we have a tendency to just look at regular season numbers in a, in a vacuum and just say, like, this guy will be fine. I certainly expect Soroka is going to be fine in any situation they put him in. Another problem with running out Soroka in Game 3 is that you do not see him uh, anymore that series. It's a, it's one, you know, he's getting one start in that series. And against an all-righty lineup, Fulton Evich and Soroka have been the best pitchers on this team against opposing right-handers. So you're really relying on Keuchel to be the guy that you got him to be. And the flip side of that is perhaps Soroka, if you make it to the NLCS, perhaps Soroka being your game one starter there. But for a for a franchise that 
uh, has not won a playoff series since 2001, you can't really count your uh, count your chicken before they hatch. Well, and, I mean, you can also make the argument that, okay, well, if this Cardinals team is that much better against lefties, then why are you trying to put, you know, I mean, I mean, why are you trying to, to put, to put Keuchel out there in a situation where you've got a team that's, you know, but that's, that's, you know, having the success that they've had in that, that way. But I, I will say with this with Soroka in terms of putting him on the road in a tough situation. Remember what he did the second time around against Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that to me is like indicative of, okay, the moment's not too much for this guy. You know, I mean, he was absolutely dominant. Uh, September 13th against that against the Nationals one hit over six innings you're going toe-to-toe with the guy you know who's who's in the short conversation uh, for the Cy Young each and every year that to me showed me a lot about about Soroka to feel like he can handle that kind of an environment and we obviously you said we he has just a different mentality to him but I think I'd be a little bit I, I feel much more uh, from our seats at, at ease with him being in that situation just because you've seen him in tough road environments already. Yeah, and again, like it's not to say that this young guy is going to go out there and crumble uh, when he does face anything uh, out uh, out there on the road. I, I don't want to say that, but I will say again um, that Keuchel has not been dominant against right-handed hitters of late. I, I do wonder, and I'll throw this to you, would you go Fulte or Keuchel in Game One? Because since the trade deadline, uh, Keuchel has a 3.41 weighted on base average um, against opposing right-handers. Mike Fultonevich is 2.93. Mike Soroka is 2.39. So if you're trying to get your hottest pitcher against right-handers down the stretch, just not to say they don't have any lefties like Carpenter or Wong can certainly hurt people. But does it? Would you go Game One Fulte, or would you go Game One Keuchel? <sighs> I would go game one Keuchel, and I know, and again, I, I you know, I, I couch this by saying you do, you know, you do kind of run that risk because, you know, this team doesn't hit righties as well as it does lefties. But do you want to do you want to have back to back righties, which is the situation I'm, you know, putting you in, and if things go awry in game one, you not you're not going to see Jack Flaherty in game one. He pitched Sunday against the Cubs. So what we provides? Yeah, we don't think unless he goes on short rest. Yeah, if he yes. doesn't go on short rest, yes. he probably doesn't. So I don't think so. No. So what kind of a situation does that get you? Are you not maximizing the opportunity for you to not see the the guy who had a you know just insane numbers in the say he had a one of the best second he halves. had a one zero ERA in the second half a four thirty one opponent OPS. You're probably not matching up against him in game one. So wouldn't you want to put yourself in a position with your best possible pitching matchup to go out there in game one? Do you, you know, roll with Fulte in that game and feel like he's gonna he's gonna he's the guy who, you know, this guy pitched the clincher for you. He he's been living for this kind of a moment since he returned for uh returned from the, his stint in the minors. But that's why you got Keiko, right? I mean, it's right. kind of like I, I it's it's kind of a weird trade off. Because he's been their best pitcher over the last what two months? Yeah, but I and he's a righty. But knowing what we know about the way that Brian Snicker likes no, no, to manage, no, no. Yeah. we're talking what, about us, not you know certainly. Yeah, I mean the, yeah. certainly the Braves. Brian know, Snicker will say he's got the resume. This is why we brought him here. Right, you know, right. he's got the ring. That I'm makes not more anything sense. Away, they, certainly, they should pitch. This is why they got Keiko. Yes. Um. So I certainly believe that they should pitch him and start him in the series. Um, but I, I will, I just, I, I do find it curious how the numbers don't back that up um, of, of, of late. 
Um, and that's not to say, you know, Mike Soroka kind of stumbled down the stretch, gave up six home runs in September. Um, but certainly how they construct that uh, starting pitching is going to be uh, very, very interesting, especially as it flips over to game four. As you mentioned, how do they use Max Freed? Did they go a three uh, pitcher rotation? Does it just matter how things play out? I know Peter Moylan on our air has kind of thrown that out there that you have Freed ready for you in games one or two out of the bullpen. Maybe yep. you use him, maybe you don't. If you don't, he could go game four for you. Max Freed has been really good this season. It's very weird to me. And I know how things have played out and veterans, and we just mentioned the mentality, and Fulte's been their best pitcher for the last you know one or two months. But it's very strange to me how if you, if you just look at the numbers, Soroka and Freed have been their best pitchers all season. And uh, it, it's kind of like you're putting them on the back burner, especially with the way that Freed kind of finished the season uh, with a bit of a flurry in terms of strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting approach and going off of what Moylan said. I mean, that's and – if, and if Keiko doesn't look good – in game one, and this does go, you know, to a situation where you've got to go four, then you can always go back to that's true. to free it if need be. That's true. So that would be an interesting play. But so here's the thing: let's say let's say Keiko goes out, he gets through four innings, and you know you're, he's given up three earned runs. Do you roll with Freed for an extended period of time, or do you go with Tomlin and then hold Freed in the back? I mean, I'm just that's playing a, devil's, a, devil's advocate. No, 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 I, I 100% hear you. That's a tough sell, Tomlin game one out there in the fourth or fifth inning. I mean, it just that's a tough sell. And I know you go lefty-righty, but no, I would still um, – I, I would try and play the bullpen, you know, use, use, your, use another right-hander that's out there, something. Um, not to take anything away from what Tomlin's done for them this year – but uh, they would have to be very confident that he could keep on doing that um, over the course of this. So what's a more important start? Is game one a more important start or is it because it allows you more flexibility in what you do on a game four? Or does it, if we're going the, on the idea here that you don't see Flaherty in game one, to does me, game I, two become To me, that's better? one of the reasons I would go faulty is because it does free him up as they had to last year against the Dodgers, use him again for game four. Um, he's been so good for them. Yeah. I thought he pitched decently well in the playoffs. This Cardinals lineup is not that Dodgers lineup. Um, and I, I think he's kind of centered in. Uh, I'll ask you this. One question on the bullpen. Could this have been a better matchup for the bullpen that they traded for at the trade deadline? All righties. Chris Martin, Mark Melanson, Shane Green, um, Luke Jackson's their strikeout artist. Um, Darren O'Day, could be in this mix as well, but could it have worked out better that they didn't go get a lefty at the deadline and they're facing this Cardinals team that, uh, that you know, is not as good against righties? Well, I mean, you know, every, everybody was seemingly, all the, the major players were in on Javier Vasquez as that lefty, and we know, I mean, that wouldn't have worked out for anybody, getting that guy before. Felipe, put, uh, Felipe, Felipe Vasquez, Vasquez, not Javier Vasquez. Javier Vasquez getting yeah, him would, the trade deadline would, would be shocking. interesting. But, yeah, getting Felipe Vasquez, who, the lefty everybody was was pining for, you know, that wouldn't have worked out for anyone. But I think from the pieces that we knew, those big bullpen arms that we knew were available with, uh, you know, with uh, with Green and Martin and Melanson, who, you know, I think only kind of built up some steam later in the process – um, I you know from that end it certainly you know plays out really well and you, you know Newcomb has been you know he's had some really high moments um, you know to have Tomlin if you do have to have you know somebody come in and, and get you through something in long relief you know you've got the option and a guy there in Tomlin I think from the way this bullpen has set up you know and it and it 
kind of leads you a little bit more down the road with Darren O'Day. You know, I, when he when he had his first outing, when his first game back, I thought, okay, this is this is going to go off the rails. But you know, he's gotten much more locked in, uh, so he he feels a little bit more of a better fit now. But yeah, I mean, those big three pieces. You think about Melanson, Green, and Martin. I mean, this is this this is a a, a fantastic matchup for them from that end. I hundred percent agree. Uh, back to the lineup. Couple questions. Um, confidence in one through four. The one through four carry them for the vast majority of this year. Um, one of the best one through four uh, punches in all of baseball, top of the lineups. And, you know, they stumbled down the stretch. Ronald Acuna Jr. just sat out, cut short the 40-40 chase. Um, and we're, they, they say that he's going to be good to go. He's hitting and he hasn't really done as much running, obviously, to keep off that groin. Uh, Freddie Freeman has really, really struggled uh, while dealing with the bone spurs. Um, came back against the Mets series, and the bone spurs flared up again. So he's going to get a few more days off before game one of the NLDS. Um, but Acuna and Freeman's numbers are not Acuna and Freeman's numbers uh, that they were for the entire season over the last you know few weeks, last month or so. And Ozzy's been great. Uh, Donaldson, I think, you know, he's still Josh Donaldson, but the, the home run swing, we didn't see any home runs uh, down the stretch either. What is your confidence level that that one through four in this NLDS is you know clicking, clicking as uh, at at the top you know clicking on all cylinders and can carry them through a series? Is uh, how confident are you that they can do those? Things? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty it's pretty safe to say if if Freddie Freeman's not a hundred percent Freddie Freeman that they're in they're in a bad way. I mean, because Ozzy Albies can get pitched to a completely different way if he's not in front of him, and Josh Donaldson who. You know, from mid September had a 540 OPS, 176 average. I mean, if he's not giving people a reason to break out of an umbrella, it's it changes everything, right? I they, mean, they need these four guys. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not trying to take away anything from the back end of the lineup, which is actually more positive than I expected coming yeah. to this podcast. But they need these four guys yes. to be very, very good. Yes, and we haven't seen them be what we we saw for the majority of the season over the last month. This was the best offense in baseball in June. They were the best offense in baseball. And it's it's not been the same, you know, when you when you think about, you know, what they've been able, what they've done, you know, the last couple of months it's just been, you know, nowhere near as is, you know, effective, especially, I mean, that, that top four, I mean, we were just talking about, you know, these guys just having these ridiculous numbers and, you know, look at, you know, what they've been able to do as a team, you know, over the past month. I mean, it's been nowhere near, it, it, nowhere near as dominant. I mean, look, the, this is a, the seventh, seventh best offense in baseball in the entire season. So per fan graphs, Fangraphs were seventh best offense the entire season. Then you look at the last month, and they are 13th. So 13th the last month, and that's large. And a lot of that's been carried by Albies, and it's Albies been, carried, has been great by, by carried by what you've been getting a little bit lower in that lineup. Yeah, so Albies has a 139 weighted runs created plus in September. Donaldson has a 124. Um, Acuna has a 117, but we know that he really stumbled down the stretch. And Freddie Freeman was below league average September. So they hit as a team in September. They were eight percent below league average. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's right with below the Blue Jays. Not where you want to be this no, year. No, no. So th- I think that is a major storyline, and we can't like go too far. And it's too 
we don't know how they are going to be. Well, yeah, and at the same time, I mean, you do have to, to add to the end of, okay, well, the division was in hand. It, exactly. Like how right. how amped up were these guys for these games late down the season where, you know, there just wasn't – they just didn't have a feel to it. Absolutely. You know, like they, they, they knew they were going to wrap. It was just a matter of what day did it happen, what day did they clinch. And to not have that same – and I talked to you about this before we came on. Do you want to be that team that's that's got everything set and you you have the opportunity to say, you know what, Ronald Cooney Jr., I know you're going for 40-40, but we need you healthy healthy for the postseason. Go take some games off. Freddie, you know, you've got this bone spur in your elbow. You know, we'd love to have you sit, but we really need these games down the stretch. They didn't have to do that. They didn't. And so that's a completely different mindset than the Cardinals, who had to say, you know what, we have no choice but to start. Jack Flaherty in game 162 because we have to make sure we win this division. What what where who do you want to be? I mean, what's better to be? Because we've seen, I mean, go back to, you know, one of the Cardinals World Series years. Go back to was it 07 when they played the Tigers and they the Tigers coast into the World Series and the Cardinals have to go late into the NLCS to make it. The Cardinals end up winning and the you know, that Tigers team doesn't look the same. It's like what what's a better thing to be in a baseball postseason situation is it better be the team that fights or is it better be the team that was able to sit back and rest and i think it's on a case-by-case basis i don't think anybody has uh, a perfect answer to that because it could vary i mean i would love to be the team that doesn't burn their ace on game 162 (laughs) um but we we would have to certainly see how that plays out now the bottom of the lineup um a little bit more encouraging you know dansby swanson especially um was in a bad way offensively uh, I thought he really had a nice road trip, nice end of the season. I can't think of a better matchup for Nick Markakis. Basically, all righty pitchers, uh, especially starters, um, that is where he thrives. And you know, after he came back, um, his success against righties is still there. Matt Joyce has been very, very good for this team over the course of the season. Obviously, against righties, he will be in the lineup. And you know, right-handed pitchers pretty much set you up to use Brian McCann. Now, does he start every single series? I'm not sure. But this back end of the lineup was in a worse situation a few, you know, a few weeks ago. I know that Joyce and McCann didn't exactly tear the cover off the ball down the stretch, but um, I think I, they don't need to be perfect, and clearly they don't need to carry the team. But if you're getting that production from, you know, Marcakis, Dansby, Joyce, McCann, if they can get right um, in the NLDS, it certainly helps supplement what you get one through four. I, I clearly think that one through four need to be great. Um, but I, I feel a little bit better about the back end of the lineup than I did say at the start of September. Marquez's numbers I'm looking against at his numbers against Cardinals pitchers right now. He is a fifteen hundred OPS against Adam Wainwright in his career. Probably gonna face him. Yeah. He's actually he's actually hitless against Jack Flaherty in, in uh five five ABs. Um he's uh got a 2,000 OPS against Dakota Hudson. He's only faced him four times. Um, Miles Michaelis, he's faced 10 times and only has a uh, 182 on-base percentage. So, um, But the numbers against Wainwright are crazy, right? I mean, you think about the, how long the two of those guys have been around. But, yeah, I mean, nice ending for Dansby Swanson. And, you know, you're right. I mean, I think when you start looking at the matchup and how you, how you piece together that outfield, and you're like, okay, well, you know, if you want to have a platoon, if you want to use Duvall, you know, where do you fit in? Mar- I mean, Marcakis is in a situation where, okay, you might be playing the entirety of this series because sounds this, like this, he's going to play the entirety and Joyce is going to yeah, play the entirety. This is what the Cardinals bring to the table, and these are the guys that you want to roll out there. And that that outfield's been, you know, Acuna hasn't 
than what we expect out of him. But that outfield has been productive against right-handers. So, Would the outfield have been in a better situation, do you think, if Enciarte could have gotten back and shown maybe that that Mets series over the weekend that he had his legs back? I mean, in the way that he was playing at the end of the season, before he got the hamstring injury popped up, um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ender, what he brings defensively on top of, if he's going to hit like that, and I need to underscore that, if he's hitting like that, especially against right-handers, uh, yeah, you kind of want your your regular outfield back against righties. Now, the good news for everyone, and Snicker included, is that they don't really have to make those decisions this series, you know, what happens to the left-handed starter. If Ender comes back, are you starting Ender and Nick Markakis against the lefty, let's say, Clayton Kershaw, Patrick Corbin? Like, I, I don't know. I, like, that would be a really interesting and fascinating uh, debate. I think they would. Um, but they don't have to worry about that in the NLDS, so we don't have to get into that yeah. for the NLDS. I do want to get into the tough roster decisions um, that are left, and we can just start right at the top. Every episode of ChopCast and ChopCast Live is exclusively outfitted by Baseballism. Stop by Baseballism Atlanta on Battery Avenue and mention Fox Sports South at any point during the 2019 season to receive a 10% discount. For both ChopCast and Baseballism, it's a baseball thing. And now... Back to the show. Julio Tehran, does he make this team? I want to say no, and I and I want and I I hate that I'm saying that because we talked about this before. It's it's crazy that you spend so much time fixating on a guy who you know has has been surpassed in terms of talent on this in this rotation, you know. But he's he's been a mainstay. He's you know has seven plus, seven years of thirty plus starts. You know, continues to to have 170 plus innings each every year, uh, but we were having the same debate with him last year. And had it not been, you know, had it not been for mop up duty in that, I mean, he probably wouldn't have even pitched in the series against the Dodgers. This one feels just feels like it feels so much more crucial because it feels finite, right? Because if if he's not out there in this series on this roster, he's probably done in a Braves uniform. I I, 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 I won't, you know, I I won't go that far. But I will, I will throw this out there, and I think it's curious. If he can't start against the Cardinals, do you, does he start against the Dodgers or the like? Could you make that point at least that if he doesn't start this series, barring an injury, we're probably not seeing Lutron at all this postseason, unless you want to use him in long relief. I mean, but. If Tomlin's been better in that role than he has, that's I think the roster question. And I'm not saying Tomlin and I, or Julio is that. Is it one of those two guys who ever... I think so. And the reason I say, I mean, Julio has a $12 million club option for next year. And if you've got so much more pitching talent and he can't get a start for you or make the roster in the postseason, it just makes it feel that much more unlikely that you're going to pick up the option. Oh, they're going to pick up the option. You think they they are? But no, there's value in his option. Absolutely. I think. Personally, I think that you could bring him back. And as we saw at the start of the season... Soroka, Fulte, no, sure. nobody was ready. Um, Julio Tehran, it's almost like Julio Tehran provides you more value in the 162, but once you get into the playoffs, it, it just evaporates because his biggest strength is that consistency and that injury-free history. And like once you get in the playoffs, it's all about riding your best stuff, your hot hand, whatever it may be. And he didn't, he didn't finish the season that strong. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I hate it for him. 
But I think it comes down to Tehran or Tomlin. And, and, and I mean, God, you think about this offseason. Do it. I mean, there's going to be teams like the Giants and the Mariners who are going to be like, we we want a guy who's going to make all the starts. We don't have we don't have enough pitching prospects. We need to make sure yeah. somebody's out there. And I think that that's why they will at least pick up the option and send him out for some value, or pick up the option and just say, hey, you're part of our stable of arms this year. I mean, I hate how good he was at one point that we're looking at the last eight starts, a 5.50 ERA, a 2.55 batting average against a 8.38 OPS by opponents. I mean, it's tough. It's tough that he that he was so good for so much of the season. And then when the starts really seemed to start to matter, that's when it went off the rails for him. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say he's definitely not on the roster. Um, MLB.com's Mark Bowman, his latest projection does have Julio off the roster. I do think it comes down to him or Tomlin. I don't think he's going to get a playoff start. I think that'd be it's really tough sell. Yeah, I agree. Um, and if he does make the roster, that is indicative of this team believing that he can step into basically the role that we've seen Tomlin play all year, and they think he can do it better than what Tomlin's done. Not to say that he can't, but that would be the indication. Uh, I would be shocked if they carried Tehran and Tomlin. I yeah. think that would be really redundant. Um uh, on to that, you know, more decisions in that bullpen. Um, to me, to me, he's a lock, and there's been a lot of uh, moving parts to this, um, and not considering him a lock. But to me, Luke Jackson is on this team, and it's weird that at any point anybody's projection had him on the outside looking in. He is their number one strikeout artist. If you need a strikeout in the postseason, this dude is who you are turning to. Uh, best reliever over the course of the season, one point two WAR. Uh, what something like striking out 35, 37% of guys he's faced in the second half. Uh, Luke Jackson, to me, is on this team. I, I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't be. 13.13 case per nine for him on the season. And I talked to you about this before we started. I mean, one of the more fascinating stories on the entire team when you consider the, the arc of his season, I mean, you know, just kind of he's just one of the guys at the beginning. All of a sudden he's thrust into that closer role, um, you know, loses it. I mean, it has the... the you know, the, the struggles on deadline day, then he ends up losing the job, finds his way again, and just was really... Has he's handled, and he's handled it all. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the franchise's number one punching bag by fans yeah. for a good portion of the season. Yep. And he handled it all with a laugh. You know, he was frustrated at times, but, like, he handled it really well. And his numbers, to me, uh, it may implode. Like, you don't know, you know, you get one inning and everything can go awry and it's going to, you know, set the set the tone and set the uh, the narrative for the entire postseason. But yeah. I'm carrying Luke Jackson. And I think he probably endeared himself. to. I mean, he. I think he's become a fan favorite amid this whole process too, you know, for all the same people that were hating on him early in the season. And, you know, I think, you know, just having that vibe about him. I mean, we know having talked to him for years, I mean, he's just a, he's just a fun dude. And, you know, I think it's kind of it, – he's endeared himself to fans in that way. But, yeah, I mean, he, the numbers are there. And it, it'd be hard to not have him be on there when you're looking, as you say, when you need that strikeout, when you need a, a guy to come in. I mean, the, the, the slider man is, is legit, and I think he's there. So we're looking at potentially nine bullpen arms. You have Melanson, Green, Jackson, Martin, Sean Newcomb, uh, Here's a guy that's been around all year that I think is a really curious case. Jerry Blevins. Jerry Blevins, lefty specialist against a team that has two true lefties, Colton Wong, Matt Carpenter. Uh, Matt Carpenter has not had a great year. Walt Wong certainly has. Um, Dexter Fowler is a switch hitter at the top of their lineup, most uh, in their most popular lineups, at least against righties. 
Um, he's been a little worse against lefties this year, but over the course of the season, over the course of his career, he's been better against righties. So basically, you're looking at carrying Blevins to face Wong or Carpenter. Does Blevins make this team? I think he does, and. I- I mean, the, the the thing I'll say is the only other guy you can put in that situation is Newcomb. And if Newcomb's locked, I want Newcomb. I mean, I'm not I'm not fearful to let Newcomb face anybody, you know, when Newcomb's locked in. And Freed. He's and Freed. Be there. But I want to hold Freed. In, I, I get you. I'm not saying it in case of emergency break glass, but I want to hold Freed out there in case I need a start out of him. And Newcomb, I can put Newcomb out there. For an entire inning, I can throw Newcomb two innings, multiple innings, yeah, and and still feel good. You can't do that with Blevins. No, no, he's a and lefty specialist. Yes. Right so, and if you're in a situation where you know something pops up and you've got Wong up to bat, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna waste Newcomb like that. But you can use Blevins in that capacity. The other side of this coin that I think fits perfectly for this NLDS opponent, Darren O'Day, late season push, um, righty specialist. Seems to be a nice fit here in the, on this NLDS roster. Where are you at? Yeah, I, I think so. And it almost like I think if he wasn't, Jeremy Walker would have been an interesting option if you didn't have Darren O'Day make his return like he has. Um, the the first outing from O'Day, you know, I thought it was this isn't happening. But you know, he's he's been much better. I mean, at ten at ten point one case per nine. I uh, know the ERA has been minuscule. You know, he's straddling. Uh, stra- he's leaving 80% of guys on base. I mean, it, it, he's doing what you waited a year plus for Darren O'Day to do. And, you know, yeah, I think he's going to be there. And then back to that last last spot, uh, if you're carrying those three starters, you have Max Freed uh, in the bullpen, and Melanson, Green, Martin, Newcomb, Blevins, O'Day, Freed, Tomlin, Jackson. Yes. So Tomlin makes it. As the last guy in, long relief right-hander. Yep. yep. Newcomb's more of the long relief left-hander or lefty first lefty out of the pin. Or if things erupt, things go erupt then you've got Max Freed. Yeah. That. I I think that's I think that's your your pitching staff. I really do. I think the last decision is Tehran and Tomlin. I think that's the the final decision to make. I can't see them carrying Swarzak. Um, I can't see them carrying any guys they really didn't use down the stretch like Sabatka. Um, I really was hoping to see Kyle Wright, but they stopped using him uh, in, I think, around September 21st was his last outing. Um, I really think Kyle Wright could have helped them, um, but he may have, they may have shut him down. I'm not quite sure, but we didn't see Kyle Wright in the final weeks. Um, it's pretty wild to think, like, think back. And I hate I hate to do this all the time, but you think, to, 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 to go back to April and have roster decisions that would have been in front of you and to, have, to know that this guy wasn't going to be on the postseason roster, you know, I think AJ Minter wasn't going to be there. Yeah, you know, obviously Viz, you know, it was his own situation, but you know, to think Tukey when Tukey was uh, so effective at times. I mean, to think Tukey, about Bryce, Bryce Wilson, right. yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, um, it's 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 pretty startling. Yeah, it's it's definitely changed, and you kind of have to do that over the course of the year. Um, and as you go to the bench, uh, expecting three catchers. I yeah, think, yeah, uh, I, mean, I think Flowers and Cervelli. The fact that Cervelli can spell. At first base, now that you're a little bit more, you know, in need of some versatility. I mean, and you know, you've got to have options there if you're going to pinch. If you're going to pinch run for McCann, what are you going to do with that spot? So yeah, I think the three catchers. Yeah, Echeverria seems like a lock to me. Yep. Um, and then you kind of move on to all right. So you're carrying uh, twelve pitchers right yep. now. We have three starters, nine in the bullpen. Correct. Uh, then you have eight obviously starting uh, players out there. So you're carrying a five man bench. Um, 
Cervelli and Flowers are two of those pieces. Adani Echeverria, that third one. So that's yep. 23 guys. Now you have two spots left. I think, it, I mean, it's Duvall, Hamilton, Riley, and Ortega um, still in that mix. Taking two of those four. Where are you going? I'm going with Duvall and Hamilton. You know, I I think to to me Duvall at least you can you you get a plus defender and you get some power off the bench and I know he doesn't hit righties nearly as well as he does lefties, uh, but you get I mean with both those guys you get plus defense with both of them. You know, you get the speed on the base pass with Hamilton, especially if you're going to carry those three catchers. I think that's that's a need now that you don't have Enciarte in this round. So yeah, I'm going with Duvall and Hamilton. What? How do you think they'll? I mean, Hamilton's clearly a, I think, in an ideal situation, pinch runs mm-hmm. and stays in as a defensive replacement with the lead. Correct. I think that's an ideal situation yep. for Billy Hamilton. Yep. Um, I don't think he should not be getting at-bats um, unless you're kind of in a bind. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, speaking of looking back at the season, um, to me, Riley versus Duvall is a little redundant. I will say that Riley has a little bit more utility um, and now that Culberson and Camargo out of the mix, um, at least for the NLDS, as far as we know with with Camargo, um, could could they have any place any more value on Riley making this roster over one of those bullpen pieces? So say Riley making the roster over uh, Tomlin or Riley making the roster, you know what I mean? Like could they go one fewer pitcher? And carry another big bat. Yeah, you could. I mean, but it feels to me almost like it's like you're 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 constructing a roster based on possible emergencies. Sure. Right. As opposed to giving yourself enough weapons to utilize. That's I, kind of I, I, I could definitely see that. That's where I feel like you're coming at. So, you know, I look at Riley, and yeah, I mean, the guy can play all over, but you can't tell me Echeverria is not athletic enough to play third base. Yeah, I mean, he played third base uh, yesterday when Josh Tom or Josh Donaldson did not play. Yeah, um, the whole the whole point of Riley is just one extra big bopper out there. Now, the thing is, is that again, the Cardinals are all righties, um, at least in their starting rotation. And then as you look to their their uh, their bullpen, of course, they have Andrew Miller. Um, Tyler Webb has been good of late for them. Um, but who's to say how many they're going to carry? But they are very, very righty-heavy. Um, Andrew Miller, of course, being the only real established uh, name there. So do you need two guys to hit lefties? <laughs> Essentially, two guys to hit Andrew Miller and potentially Tyler Webb um, at the course of any any time in the series. Um, I'm with you. And again, I think our, our lineup basically adheres to what Bowman has right now. Um, I think the Tehran... Uh, Tomlin's situation is fascinating, and then if Riley, you carry one extra bat versus one extra bullpen piece. But to me, with only three starters in there, um, they they do have a little bit of flexibility there. But um, I think that's it. I mean, I don't really, I can't, you know, there's some, there's a couple tough calls, but I, I don't want to say they have an easy job this week. But I can't see any, you know, barring injury and things that we don't know. You know, if a guy's wearing down, like whoever may be, if, you know, just say like Sean Newcomb has a tinge in his elbow that we just don't know about, um, I can't foresee any other circumstance why this NLDS 25-man roster would look much different than what we've seen. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any surprises. And we were talking to Snicker on uh, clinch day, 
and we were talking to him about the process of putting this was after the cameras had stopped rolling, just talking to him about the process of putting together a postseason roster. And he said he said, I'll listen to everybody. And he's like, We'll get in a room and everybody kinda has their own opinions. He said, even Bobby Cox would do that, you know, that you felt like you were at least heard. And he's like, and guys get animated. You know, guys will make a strong case for somebody being on there. I just wonder what's it, what's how loud how loud are those voices going to be for Julio Tehran after the after the the final you know six seven starts that he had. How how loud is the voice for Tehran? How loud is the voice for Rafael Ortega? Yeah. How loud is the voice for Austin Riley? Could be, could be. I, I I'm I'm not sure. I I I, th- I do think that this is the first time they've had to make a really difficult playoff cut since the Ugla. 2013. Yeah. And even Ugla wasn't too tough in terms of his numbers, but in terms of that clubhouse. Yeah, the peripherals. I mean, yeah. the clubhouse did not take to it very well. Um, thinking back to covering that team in 2013, there yeah. was it was a big decision. Ugla was not happy about it. You know, and they it's not like they carried superstars or up-and-coming top rookies into there either. It was Paul Yanish and mm-hmm. Elliot Johnson making that roster ahead of him. So, I will say this is one of the tougher calls they've had to make in quite some time. I wouldn't throw Riley quite into that mix, but I think that's one of the not interesting storylines for the NLDS if he doesn't make it, but certainly for this week, what that just means for for this franchise that, again, this guy started opening day for you again. Like He was your, by war, third best pitcher this season um, because he was around every single start. He helped carry you to another division title. And he's on the outside looking in. That's really tough. Yeah, and I, I mean, I sort of, you know, obviously we're going to wrap up here quick, but um, I do so, sort of wonder. Okay, so if you don't carry Riley and you don't carry Tehran, what does that do from like the out from the the totality of like where they stand in terms of? I obviously talked about Tehran and the and the option, but if Josh Donaldson doesn't come back, Austin Riley is you know your de facto starting third baseman for twenty twenty. If that guy's not on your postseason roster. How much confidence does that show that you have in where he's at right now, as opposed to Adam Duvall, where I don't think that you're you're not nearly as married to him being part of the franchise's future. So there's just some some kind of or is it you know, or, perspective you know, pieces there. The the glass half full is it motivation for Riley going into his first? I mean, you can make that argument. Post-game. Yeah, we don't we don't know. Um, you know, a guy getting cut how or cut from a roster, how it's going to play. But um, yeah, there are implications there, absolutely. And again. Just setting the roster for the NLDS, if there's an injury, they can make a replacement. Getting to the NLCS, they may match up completely different, whether it is what the Brewers, the Nationals, or the Dodgers. Um, it, it could look very different as we uh, as we move forward. But um, I think there are two or three roster decisions worth monitoring this, this week. Um, it feels fairly set to me. It seems like it feels fairly set to you. But um, it should be a really intriguing matchup. You think it's the best series? In the opening round, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, the twins, closest. the twins and Yankees, to me, is pretty yeah. fascinating in terms of the long balls in that one. But I don't think the Twins have enough pitching to make it interesting enough. This one, to me, when you think about the high end pitching in the series and the the big pieces in the offenses, when you got Goldschmidt, and I mean, this is the two of yeah. the best first basemen in baseball, and then you've got the likes of Soroka and and Flaherty. I think it just has a lot of like established guys and up and coming. Stars, I think to me, to me, it makes it pretty fascinating. Yeah, it should be really good. Also, don't do not forget two legendary catchers behind the plate. We didn't really talk about it, but well, yeah, and Molina. That's uh, true. Both have don't scoff at this. Listening at home, both have decent Hall of Fame cases. I don't think uh, either one is by any means a lock, but 
Um, certainly legendary catchers, really good up the middle, both teams, especially if Dansby is clicking because DeYoung and Wong are great. Um, Two managers, too, that have like very similar yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about Schilt being around forever in that system. Yeah. and There's a lot of commonalities yeah, here. Yeah. I don't, they obviously don't have an Acuna because um, Bader is nowhere close to where he is. Uh, Last year was pretty good, but yeah, this year the numbers. He's a defensive really, star, yeah. but let, let's, let's Zuna, be real. I mean, we've not said much about Marcelo Zuna, but he's been fantastic. Yeah, Marcelo Zuna out there is probably their closest, you know, competition if Ronald sure. Acuna Jr. is right. So there's a lot of fascinating elements to this. Obviously, Jack Flaherty and Max Freed, uh, former high school teammates. Um, so there, there's there's <laughs> that's insane. Oh this is one God. of the one of the greatest high school rotations in baseball history, if not the greatest high school rota- rotation in baseball history. Jack Flaherty, Max Freed, and Lucas. That's gonna Freed, be a thirty yeah. for thirty. Oh, it has to be at some point. I've written it a couple times in various stories, but um, definitely a lot of overlap. And you know, a young pitcher carrying his team. Will it be Freed? Will it be Soroka? Um, certainly seems to be Jack Flaherty going into it for the Cardinals. A um, lot of similarities, a lot of overlap. I'm with you. I think it's a good series. Um, do you want to give a prediction? I'll go Braves in four. I'll go Braves in five. I'll uh, I'll say it. It goes the distance and uh, and see, you know, see if they can uh, pull it out. Uh, it'll it'll be. Uh, I think, in terms of getting past this, you know, haven't won a division series in so long. And I know everybody had, you know, the Braves are certainly approaching this from a World Series perspective, but that to me is just stepping stones, right? Like you have to eventually get that monkey off your back. And uh, that's why it should be fascinating. And of course, it comes against a franchise that has eliminated you once in very controversial fashion in recent history. So it should be a good one. He's Corey McCartney. I am Zach Dillard. You can catch everything that we do throughout the playoffs at Fox Sports Braves on Twitter. You can follow this podcast throughout. On Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and missing one, Stitcher Radio and Spotify. Spotify yeah. Maybe. Did I get all those? Um, and, of course, you can always follow our written work at foxportsouth.com. Follow us all there, and we will be here throughout the playoffs. We'll see you guys in next time.